0: Welcome to the Practica podcast where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. My name is Josh Loftus and I'm here with my friend, my co-host who's also I think just as tired as I am today pretty much
1: David Lawler which is awful because when I'm tired yeah. I get loopy. It's true you do. You get loopy and we think- tried to start this
0: podcast like three times <laughs> and you wouldn't let me because you kept interrupting. This is the good one. This is the good take. This is hopefully. This is no. Hopefully, this is the good take. There's more. No more takes after this. If it, if something goes wrong here, I'm just going home. (laughs) I'm out. I'm out of here. Just like radio silence for 20 minutes after that. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. David, how are you, my man? Tired. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much the focus. Yeah. It kind of feels like in all of the weather change. I don't know if it affects you. Blame the weather. I always do always done um, but i always get migraines i have like had migraines oh, that's not and good. no it's not good it's not fun i used to
0: get migraines a lot in high school and college
1: i haven't mm. had i haven't had many since did you know that's what my scars are from what like scars? blackouts from migraines when i was a kid that's wait, such bad wait what scars uh, so i have a scar on my forehead i don't know if i've ever noticed oh yeah I just it's, thought it's a that was big i thought you just had a weird head i do have a weird head <laughs> but this is a detail of my weird head so it's just all maybe a blur to you david
0: of the weird head It's your new title <laughs> that is my family tribe actually yeah there you go yeah, yeah. yeah if you look at our crest it's just a dent <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic, <laughs> just, yeah. Oh my goodness. No, but I have a, yeah. uh, I have a couple. I have like scars so, on my face, and so you, so you had a migraine, you blacked out, and then you fell, and that's from you hitting something. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's horrible. I, uh, man. I was,
1: I was jumping on a mattress with my siblings, um, <laughs> and you blacked you're like, oh, out because it, it just kept getting worse, <laughs> and I blacked out. Yeah, and then I blacked Bro. out in the kitchen once. Uh, so with the head one, I hit a nail, and then when oh, I tr- went to, uh, to lift up, uh, it, no stop, yeah, no, stop. We don't, yeah. Blah. Don't but the eat, other one was eat. I blacked out and fell face down in the kitchen, and luckily oh. it didn't break a tooth, but I the tooth went all the way through the skin. Why are we... Oh, dude. I don't know. I was. I said migraines. You said you got them in high school. I went back further. And then
0: you're like, let me make this gory. Let me yeah, make this horrible. Yeah, I was trying to, <laughs> how many people denti- have already turned off the episode. David of the nope, dented not doing this week. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's <laughs> horrible. All right, you know, what, you know what? Here, I've got a dad joke for you just because I feel like we need some laughter after that mental Hey, i
1: got some, and I think they're good. I'm so excited. Oh, you, you have some for me, too? I do. Okay, all right, all right. Well, I, have I have three well, to pick from, so you three do one. To pick from? And, yeah now, did you find these or were these curated for you? One was curated, two I found.
0: Okay. All right. All right. Well, I've got one. So I'll give you my one and then you can you can hit me with yours. Okay. Okay. So David, my wife asked me to go uh, get six cans of Sprite from the grocery store. You've heard this, haven't you? I
1: totally have. Oh,
0: man. And I realized when I got home that I had picked seven up.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's very dad jokey. It is very dad jokey. See, I think what's hard is what we acknowledged last time is they have to be a little bit on the edge. So, you ready for mine? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of, all right. Am I going to want
0: to black out after these? (laughs) So, one of them, (laughs) I hope not.
1: One of them is kind of funny. And my whole family laughed when I shared it. The other one was approved by someone in the context of this joke. So, that's good. I don't so that's know what that two. means, but okay. it means it references in nine one one and calling them, and I and it was approved in humor by a dispatch. Oh. and they thought it was funny. Oh, wow. Okay. So, first joke is that a friend of mine named his dog Five Miles, and he did that so that he could um, he could tell people that he walked five miles. But okay. today he ran over five miles.
0: Oh man. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> That's horrible.
1: <laughs> That's horrible. so bad. It's, it's kind of funny though. Uh, okay, here's the here's the other one that I thought was really really funny. Okay, all right. So I called 911 earlier. Yeah. I I went to tell them that there was a guy dancing naked through downtown. Oh boy. And they said copy that. And I said, "I'll try, but I'm not really a dancer." <laughs> It's true. Oh my
0: gosh, he had a weird debt. He had a weird debt in his head. It was strange. (laughs) (laughs) I both can't
1: dance, and yeah, I have a friend who is a nine one one dispatch. So that was very entertaining. I sent it to him. He's like, I approve, approve this dance. Okay, hey, there we go. Yeah, all right. It was a, it was, it was both 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 curated and and approved. Both those
0: were better than mine. Yeah, one hundred percent. I'm trying.
1: I've got another one, but. I'm gonna go ahead I'm go gonna ahead. save go it ahead. no I'm gonna save it okay. I'm gonna save it for next week so you're gonna save it okay I'm save all right all right that's fine. because I, I gotta I gotta pick good ones that's so. right
0: that's right the good ones don't come often
1: no they don't no they don't
0: all right David well we're gonna hop right in yeah uh, we're gonna talk about the passage uh from this past Sunday uh, we were gonna do an episode with Colton uh, we were. But, but Colton decided to have different priorities he didn't text me back mm-hmm. uh, and he just decided to not show up he's flaking yeah. out He's living his best life now in Ikea or something like that, eating the meatballs, something. I don't know what he's doing.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. at Ikea with his wife. Oh, um, Ikea. Dude. Yeah, that's what happens when you get a new house. You got to <laughs> furnish it. He's never
0: getting out. Do you ever get out of Ikea? It's like Costco. You go in, and it's like a time warp. I don't know. Like, I don't when know we, how long I've been years here.
1: Years ago, when we first got our building, I took our boys, my wife, and our, and our, not our administrator, our kids person, when mm. we did like kids ministry and stuff, that yeah. was a nightmare. They oh, yeah. all, oh, and I think another person on our staff, it was everybody wanted to go different directions. Sure. It was like herding cats. Yeah. It was painful. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm alive. We made it and I'll never return.
0: That's right. You, you you live to tell the tale.
1: Yes. All
0: right, man, here we go. So we were, uh, we you were in First uh, John chapter three, verses four through six. Yes. All right. So that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So why don't I read this for us? And we'll awesome. hop into your synopsis. Great. synopsis Synopsian. Syn- I think it, it's synopsis, but if you are the, sy- are you a synoptur or are you a synopsian? If you Whoa. are delivering the synopsis.
1: I feel like this is getting into like a theological kind of subject like, down the road. You
0: believe in synopsis? <laughs> Have you read synopsis? You're not supposed to read synopsis. No. You realize he's bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. First John chapter three, verses four through six. It says, everyone who, who, excuse me, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him the grass withers the flower fades but the word of our god stands forever amen no longer no no matter how uh hard the passage may be
1: <laughs> yeah indeed
0: yeah this is a rough passage it kind of is, is yep 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 yeah. it is it's one that uh i think can be very uncomfortable i mean and, and i think here's you know i think it should be uncomfortable right i think if we're if we're constantly viewing scripture through the lens of everything's grace everything you know is is you know free grace cheap grace and we're never called we're never called to the mat to contend with our sin and, mm-hmm. and and making war with our flesh right i think that's a problem yeah right and i think what john does really well especially in this first book, is I think he does a fantastic job at balancing those two things. We were actually talking about this a little before we were recording. Yeah. Holding those two things in intention, and you have to hold them in tension. And that absolutely we thank God for the gospel, we praise him for it, we believe in it, we live it, we cling to it with everything that we have. But on the flip side of that, what you hold in tension is that, yes, grace is free to us, but grace was not free right it was paid for and it required a price yeah. and that price was heavy right yeah. so with that it comes the understanding that just because we have been saved from the consequences of our sin does not mean that we now live lives without sin right we are called to and that's part of what we're going to get into right here but we still have a responsibility as Christians we have a responsibility as as ambassadors to Christ to live in a way that looks like Jesus, right? And yeah. That's gonna kind of what we're gonna what we're gonna get into here. So a heavier topic, but we shouldn't steer away from the heavy topics because it's passages like this that make the gospel so glorious. Yeah, right. And it's important to hold these two things in tension. So I want to th- that being a little preface, right? I want to throw right. it over to you. Give us a little synopsis of what you talked about uh, from the pulpit this Sunday, and then then we'll hop into some application.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the exposition, it was very important to as we came to this difficult passage that that had a bit of tension in it. Yeah, to remember where we've come from, and I think that's always important. That you know, so that we don't move too quickly from a text when it's uncomfortable or when there's an important difficult section. I think to. I think too often Christians can go well. That's really hard, so I'm going to go to that warm and cuddly portion right, where right. you know John is saying, "Hey, little children, listen. Christ is your advocate." That is a wonderful hope filled statement. Absolutely. But there are also um, there's also hope filled application, and so I really tried to remind our church, even at the beginning, that as we look forward to the momentous event of Christ's return. We have the hope that in and through Christ, God is with us, mm-hmm. and we are his children. We are his sons and daughters. And so in light of that reality, John is saying, don't fall for the deception that the false teachers are trying to portray to you. Yeah. And so in the exposition on verse 4 through 6 in chapter 3, we really looked at how sin ignores God's moral law, but Christ came to free us that we may... Abide in him. And so the very first tension we found was that right after, uh, again, right after John is saying in verse three that everyone who hopes in Christ purifies himself as Christ is, which that purification is really seeking to do what is right in the, the eyes of the Lord, to really keep the moral law, to obey the, the Ten Commandments. But the tension then is in verse 4 he talked about how everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. It, mm-hmm. They ignore God's moral law. They right. live a lawless life. So we're not right. talking about a Christian wrestling with sin and needing to cling to the savior. We're talking about someone who by the fruit of their life is showing that they are not a true believer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is this is ongoing habitual sin without right.
1: Without the striving against it, right? right. I, I brought up, um, I, I brought up uh, Matthew seven, the, the really popular statement of Jesus saying, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Yeah, and he says, he he says when he tells them, "Depart from me," he says, "You workers of lawlessness." So you claim to be my followers, but you do not live according to my holy character. Mm. And so you see that all throughout when Jesus calls the the Pharisees whitewashed tombs yeah. in Matthew 23 he talks about how outwardly they they appear righteous but inwardly they're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And so I really tried to drive home that that kind of thinking that you know grace may abound we can keep on sinning is really a, a heresy that's known as antinomianism, mm-hmm. which I defined, you know, that that comes from two Greek words that basically means against the law. It means yeah. no law. And so we had to, of course, define what law are we talking about? Well, according to John, we're talking about God's timeless moral law. Right. Every person has the law written on their heart. And there is either two purpose, two ways in which... People look at that, and what's really difficult for people is that we look at the same Ten Commandments. For the non-believer and the believer, they look at them differently. The non-believer looks at it, and it accuses them. It it, it, mm-hmm. it condemns them, because they are lawbreakers. Right. For the believer, they have great hope, because they're not condemned, because Christ is in them. Right. And so... Because Christ is in them, while the non-believer has the law as a mirror of sin, for us it's the means of grace. It's the way in which we look at well how do I how am I to worship God? Well, you look at the first four commandments and that's God's perfect instruction. And so when you look at how these false believers, these false teachers were were really, Um, breaking God's law, as Jesus summarized, keeping the law, the moral law, is to love God and to love your neighbor. Well, in light of that, you see that the false teachers were hating God and hating their neighbor Mm -hmm. in the way in which they were not worshiping God in the way that he had desired and designed. And they were hating the brethren in the way in which they not only abandoned fellowship, but they even neglected Uh, the Lord's Day, they neglected, they went out from the church, they didn't love the brethren. And so you kind of have that comparison in the text between lawbreakers and law keepers. And the Christian is the one who keeps God's law because John tells us that you know that Christ appeared in order to take away our sin, and Christ is sinless. So that becomes our standard of how we keep the law. It's not that we keep the law as a covenant unto life. It's that we've been given life. Therefore, in the covenant of grace, we are able to then obey. Um, And that's really the encouragement for us, that God has justified us by His grace in Christ, and He has given us then the desire to walk in Christ in obedience. And so, In the exposition, we really focused forward of how we are then to abide in Christ. What does that mean, as John continually uses that uh, terminology? And the the conclusion of the exposition was to say, listen, John has told us, practice righteousness. That's what the true believer does. Do not practice lawlessness, which is what these false teachers and the the non-believers are practicing. And so... The conclusion of our question that maybe can be a a good portion of our time in this episode is, my concluding question was, what does your practice in life uh, say about who you abide in? Mm. Uh, What does that reveal? And, you know, even I mentioned our discussion in the last episode where we talked about um, how we should examine our lives in light of who Christ is and what he's accomplished. Yeah that we should really examine our lives and our time, talents, and treasures and ask, how am I being conformed more into the image of Christ? The application for that, the means of grace that God has given us, is really a looking at the Ten Commandments and seeking to not only know them and understand them, but even seeking to apply them. How do I love my neighbor? How do I love God? Yeah. Well, there's a perfect outline for that. Yeah. And e- again, I believe it even in the New Testament. Sure.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah. I think, I think there can be a lot of misconception when when we as believers hear you know, from Christ that he did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it, what that fulfillment meant, right? I think a lot of Christians will take that fulfillment and then see that as permission to not pay attention to the law. Right? It's like, well, Jesus fulfilled it. Right. right. So, so so I don't it doesn't really apply to me anymore. Right. And that's a much more common attitude toward the law than I think we some want to admit. Right. But what you need to understand is what exactly Jesus fulfilled. Right. He didn't fulfill your command to follow it. He fulfilled the judicial necessity of needing to follow it in order to be seen as righteous. Right. Right. And that's a very important distinction. Right. Right. Is when Christ said he fulfilled it, he fulfilled God looking at you through the lens of the law. He now sees you through the lens of the work that Jesus has done, but that does not by any means result in you now being able to say, well, the the law was an Old Testament thing, Old Covenant. I'm in the New Covenant now. The law no longer applies to me. Right. And that's a trap that I think we need to be very careful not to fall into, because if we do that, we're we're doing exactly what the antinomianists will do. They'll say, well, the law doesn't apply. You know, everything is grace. Everything is gospel. Live how you want because Jesus covers it. Right. Yeah. Which is a very blasphemous way to live. Let's be honest. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Because essentially what you're doing and I've used this illustration before. I might have used this illustration on this this podcast, but I have found it to be uh, you know, whether it be from from preaching or or in counseling as well, a very effective tool is we we are not harsh enough with our sin as Christians, right? We are not we are not as critical with our sin as I think we should be when it comes to how we live our lives because what we need to realize is that when we sin and when we willingly engage in those acts, whatever they are, right? Whether in thought or deed. What you are saying as a Christian, while you are engaging in that act, in the midst of engaging in that act, you are pointing behind you at Christ on the cross and saying, it's okay. This is why he's there, right? Yeah. And we need to understand that Christ's sacrifice on the cross, yes, it freed us from the consequences of our sin, but that should be the greatest motivation to live lives that are free from sin. Yeah, It should not then give us permission to live how we want. Right. And I think the question that, that, that you, that you posed is a fantastic question. And it's one that I think needs to be on our minds constantly. And I think it can be on our minds constantly while at the same time understanding the truth of the gospel. Right. And that's that tension that we're talking about. Right. And it's, it's, It's something that I think we as Christians need to do a very, I know in my life, a much more diligent job at looking at my thoughts, looking at my conduct, looking at my speech and saying, what does this say I believe? What does this say I believe in? When I say this or do this or think this, while at the same time claiming Christ, do those two things coincide seamlessly? Or is that the is that, are they are they the antithesis of each other? Right. Right. And that's a hard question to ask, yeah. especially if we're going to get honest with ourselves. Right. Because if we're going to be honest, there's a lot in our life, there's a lot in my life I look at and think, you know, that doesn't look like Jesus. Yeah. Jesus wouldn't say that. He wouldn't think that. That wouldn't be his motive. Yeah. Right. It's a hard thing, but it's a necessary thing. And yeah. I think holding that tension is we're able to engage in that fight against the flesh without seeing that fight as being the thing that saves us.
1: Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think, you know, another thing I brought up that I think is really important um, is the reality that um, when when we talk about the issue of lawlessness, mm-hmm. the, the, the other side of the pendulum swinging that is not helpful is legalism. Mm-hmm. And sure. that's why I brought up Jesus speaking to um to the 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 Pharisees in Matthew because there you see a comparison between you know John is later dealing with these false teachers who essentially then are saying well it doesn't it doesn't matter um if if you sin in the flesh the the flesh so the physical and the spiritual are almost disconnected that was a false teaching sure uh, that we really examined early on in our study that they really separated even, and, and they did not believe in, in, in the hypostatic union, um, that Christ was uh, fully and truly God and fully and truly man. And so the problem in that becomes, if you believe that, you have some people on one side that are going, well, we'll just be lawless that grace may abound, and the other side is people being legalistic and going, well, we just have to get every little detail right. right. And the problem with that is John is sprinkling the, the gospel truth of, of redemption in Christ all throughout 1 John to really say, never forget, here is the truth of who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And so it is about the change that has come about by the Spirit in your heart. He's taken out the heart of stone He's put in the heart of flesh yep. that you may obey the law, right? And and right. so it's got to result
0: in something, right? Right? Yeah.
1: And so when we look at you know how does our practice reveal who we abide in? Well, that means when we look at the Ten Commandments as Christians, we should not be looking at it as. As making sure, you know, kind of like the person going down the road who it's 50 miles an hour and they're going 40 because they're terrified that if they get 51, then a cop's going to pull them over and they're going to be hauled off to jail. That's a that's not the way in which we're to look at the Ten Commandments. Because really then we're still looking at, looking at it as the sinner does. It, we're just looking at it in the way of, okay, that's going to restrain my evil. And man... Your evil abounds apart from Christ, and so it becomes really important, I think, to remember that when we talk about how are we practicing um, producing fruit, for example, or doing good works, Mm -hmm. the Heidelberg Catechism would talk about how good works are those things which are according to the moral law of God. Mm. So, I I honestly think there's kind of there's a twofold thing. One, I think Christians need to understand the Ten Commandments. That's why at our church we produced the little booklet from William Perkins on the Ten Commandments. We want people to understand these are not uh, Israel's documentation on, on what to obey in the Mosaic Covenant. This sure. is God's timeless instruction about His holy character. Right. And I think even we need to have a more historical understanding. You know, the modern man is either going to think in that lawless or legalistic way. But even we see, since the time of the Reformation, it was not disputed that the Christian would see um, uh, the Ten Commandments in life. Luther believed that. You, I mean, back in a, with Augustine, you have that. Yep. Many of the early church fathers. But since the Reformation, you see that in Luther and Calvin. You even see that among Arminius, And among Mm -hmm. Wesley. And so it's not just a reform perspective. Now, each one of those are likely going to apply those uh, Ten Commandments differently. They're going to look at the application and the extent of it a little differently. But the reality that the Ten Commandments are a summary of God's moral law, when Jesus says, love God, love others, that's not the cute little mission statement of your church. For the gospel focus, that is that is the law. Right. <laughs> That's it the is. summary of the moral it law. Is. Yeah. So when we talk about yeah. practicing that, I think Christians really need to take some time to know the Ten Commandments. Man, speaking of practical application, Kevin DeYoung has a fantastic book on that about the Christian applying the Ten Commandments. And I think we also need to really look at them one by one and say, in light of God's instruction here, how then shall I live? That's what we see in the life of Christ, his obedience right. and love for God and his love for neighbor. Yeah. And I think that's really what, you know, again, John is almost giving us that as the remedy. If you don't want what you should not want to go into the life the lawless life of these false teachers, then it's living according to God's holy moral law. Right. And and that is what you find in the Christian life is is not a uh, not an affectionless um life um not a begrudging obedience but but a great love for god that yeah. produces a gratitude of obedience
0: well and that's what makes teachings like that a <laughs> so charles uh, charles stanley right or no excuse me andy stanley his <laughs> yeah andy stanley you know his whole you got to unhitch yourself from the old testament right right, right? which was a really big thing that he said a few years ago, right? We need to understand why that's such a horrible and, and 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 heretical thing to say. It's because you're unhitching yourself from the very reason that Christ came to die, right? If you if you see the law as something that is no longer applicable, the gospel doesn't have meaning. You like you need the law. The the law is there for a reason, right? God didn't just put it up as some cute thing, like, okay, the law is not a placeholder for Jesus, right? It's like, okay, I know Jesus is gonna come. I'm gonna send I'm gonna send my son to live the life, but it but in the meantime, I I need something. I need something to kind of you know make sure that they stay in line. I'm gonna create the law, right? It wasn't just this afterthought placeholder thing until the new covenant was installed. Yeah. Right? It was something that was intentionally done with the, with the intention that this is this never goes away the need for it never goes away right so it's very important that we understand and when we're when we're getting into the more practical things it's like okay how do i take inventory of my life to see whether or not i am living a life that is according to the law of god right that's why you don't just read the law or you don't just read the old testament you take them both right because ultimately we want to live lives that look like Jesus. Yeah. Right? The way Jesus lived, the way he talked, the way he thought. But we need to understand the way he lived, the way he taught, the way that he thought and spoke was according to the moral law of God. And he fulfilled it perfectly. Yeah. Right? Because he's God. Because he wrote it. <laughs> right? Right? Um so when when we're taking inventory of our life and we're like okay, I want to live a life that looks more like Christ than I do now, which should be the desire and, and and striving of every Christian every single day, right? We have to look at both. You have to look the, at them as not, separate, as not separate things, right? God gave us his moral law for a reason, and that is to be able to look at it and say, okay, this is what God's standard is for holiness. Did yeah. Jesus perfectly fulfill that? Yes, he did but what he also did in perfectly fulfilling that is he now enabled you as a christian to be able to live a life that follows the law that now pleases god. Yeah. Because before christ, all of our striving, all of our all, all of our work to try to keep the law filthy rags. Right. God saw it as a filthy, horrible attempt at trying to trying to conjure up some righteousness in ourselves, right? But now because of the cross, because of Jesus, you now for the first time have the ability to work and to strive out of love and thankfulness for what Christ has done for you. And that working and that striving is a pleasing offering to God because yeah. it's being received by Christ and given to the Father through the mediation of Jesus, Yeah. right? And that's what we need to understand. That is what the law is doing now. <laughs> when we live our lives according to the law, it's now pleasing to God. Yeah. We, Right. And that's why it's important that we understand why we must be taking inventory of our life is because that's what we're called to do as Christians. Right. You don't just get to do whatever you want. Right. So this is yeah. and, and and here's the thing. Right. It, it's easy to. This is why you hold them in tension, because if you just focus on one, you're not focusing on the law at all. But if you just focus on the law, like you said, it's going to drive your face into the dirt because you're yeah. like, look at all the stuff I got to do.
1: Right, it's like that's the wrong yeah. that's the wrong motivation. Well, and even you know, Paul. I brought up First uh, Timothy one when Paul says, "We know that the law is good if someone uses it rightly." Right. For those who only use the law in a lawless way, uh, it is it is to their damnation essentially. Yeah. And I think you know that's one of the things of where the law and the gospel are not things that contradict one another. No. Um, again, we you know I, I had a great conversation with someone in our church on Sunday about the reality of wh- how the law, the moral law of God, is is helpful to us in our evangelism. Mm. Even the reality that you know, again, you often hear the modern thought is you know G- God just loves you so much, you know, and He has a He wants to be in relationship with you, and here's all these things. Well, that puts it in the hands of the person in saying. You get to decide if you want that relationship. You know, you get to do speed dating with God, oh. where the Bible tells us we're lawbreakers. That's who we are apart from Christ. Right. And so when you talk with someone, you can you can almost do the, the Ten Commandments test. You know, have you loved God? Have you taken his name in vain ever? Have you stolen, cheated? You know, you can go through those commitments. Sure. The reality is all of us in one way or another are answering, yeah, I have. And so you see that use of the law. And so it's really important for the Christian to realize that when when Christ saves us, he doesn't just when we're saved, we're not just saved from God. We're also saved by God and we're saved to God yeah. and to the people of God. Yeah. And so in that, you know, again, just like in my household, I want my sons to be like me. I want my sons to take after me. I love when I see those things where they're, you know, where they're a lot like me in certain things, but even where you know, my sons will describe ways in which they they love the Lord. I love to see that. Well, how much more is that true of the spiritual people of God? Mm-hmm. And so again, through Christ our view of the law is not, oh man, I better keep these things or else. It's man, I am part of this family. I am part of of the household of God, uh, Paul would say, and and so in light of that, this is this is how the family functions. This is how we go about life, not in doing whatever we please apart from God's law, but in light of it. And so, man, I I would even say for listeners, they should really read Ernie Resinger's book, *The Law and the Gospel*, hmm. because that even reminds us that you know one of the points I made on Sunday was that. Um, when we become Christians, we're not trying to become Jews. We're not trying to become national Jews, ethnic Jews. That's really important that we understand that, yes, we're given life in Christ when we become a believer, but that life is a life of obedience, and that means walking in the way Christ does. Yeah. That's what John even says in chapter 2. And so it becomes really important to understand as we think about how do I live and, and love um, like Christ. Well, look at how Christ kept the moral law. And you even see, you know, the book I'm mentioning of Ernie Reisinger's, you even see one of the things is that the moral law of God is not something given exclusively to Israel. It is expressed by God, written down on tablets in the Mosaic law, but you see that from creation uh, onward, God is expressing his moral standard. And so for the Christian, that's why you see the apostles often expressing those things. They call it the, the law of liberty, the law of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why that, that question becomes important for us because there are so many things in the world that want to pull us in, of the fallen world, uh, yeah. of, of this this world that is that is counter to Christ. And so why would we ever think that we would become dear friends with a world that crucified our Savior. We actually need to remember how much the the fallen world is opposed to the moral standard of God. And so, yeah. again, we we are reminded to examine our practice in that. And I think... I mean, again, the whole purpose of the podcast is really to examine the practical application of the word. And that's where we were challenged in the last week, to look upon Christ rightly and really see if I'm abiding in him, then there's a call for me to not walk in sin. Right. Um, And that does not mean we will ever be perfect, but that's the tension. Sin should be fading as the Savior Becomes more and more dominant in our lives, in our thinking, yeah. in our in our light, in the way in which we're seeking to be like Him, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, I think those are some practical applications and important pieces that we not only seek to rightly know the Ten Commandments, God's moral law, from Genesis to Revelation, but also then to rightly know that abiding in Christ means we're weaned off the world and more and more living according to the Word. Yeah. And I think those are some important distinctions.
0: And in, in in the book, um uh oh which was it? Uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, right? C. S. Lewis's book, Eustace gets turned into a dragon. Right? And and in that, Lewis describes Eustace trying his best to rip the dragon scales off, right? And trying to trying to shed shed the dragon skin and get down to back to who he was right and he can't he can't and he can't and then aslan comes along and says i'll do it for you and Eustace asks him the question will it hurt and aslan says yeah yeah it's gonna hurt and lewis describes aslan's claws going into this flesh and ripping it off And it being the most unbearable pain Eustace has ever felt. But with that pain came the realization and the understanding and the hope that the thing that had kept him in in that body was being ripped away. And that's what we're talking about is confronting your sin, confronting your flesh, removing the flesh of the old man to reveal Christ that resides within us. It's never a pleasurable process. It can be downright painful. But it's worth it. And it's something that we are called to do as Christians. And it's something that we need to understand that as Christians part a massive part of our job is to make war with our flesh and be taking inventory of every aspect of our life. No matter how uncomfortable it is, it's okay to sit in in the tension. Sit where it's uncomfortable. That's the Lord pruning you. That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. That is the scales being ripped off to reveal Christ. Right? Yeah. It's not comfortable, but it's worth it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think this is why, you know, as John is calling for um, practicing righteousness, a life Mm -hmm. lived out in righteousness, because this is the evidence right. of who are the children of God. That's where we're going to go next week, is the reality of those who practice righteousness, truly yeah. in light of who Christ is and their life in Him, they are the children of God. And the ones who continue in habitual sin, having no care, even if they can express truths about, about God in a natural way, they still reveal themselves to be children of Satan. Yep, And out of that, as we acknowledge we are children of God and we continue to grow in Christ it is why in the following section John is going to deal with uh, in light of this here is then how you are to love that is the application of the second table of the law mm-hmm. to really love our neighbor but we first have to understand God is holy yeah, and in is. light of God's holiness we we are called to be holy as he is holy we are and so we need to examine the way we we love God in the ways that we worship God and the ways in which we know God. Um, and and from that, that will even influence how we know and love and care for our neighbor. Amen. That's it, man. Yeah. I love it. Cool. Well, look forward to the next conversation. That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heavy convo, but needed. Yeah, and, and absolutely. Good, and good, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's something that we need to be constantly thinking about. Never untethered from Christ and his gospel. Yeah. But that does not mean that we do not uh, have hard conversations and dig deep into uh, some of the hard stuff when we are presented in scripture because. Versus uh, four through six
1: are just as inspired. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just as seven just through ten are. and that will be even that will still be a little bit tense, but yeah, but good reminders on all of them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, before we get going, uh, people will have noticed we probably should have talked about this at the, at the front, but uh, episodes on Friday now. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And this was intentional. This wasn't because we're lazy. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we it wasn't didn't, we didn't we, want to break. Yeah. Yeah. It's because we're like, yeah, it's not, you know, I, I don't want to record. Let's just yeah. do it Friday. Right. Why don't you walk us through real quick why we're releasing on Friday? Absolutely. Uh, and
1: then we'll uh, we'll close the app out. Absolutely. So over the summer, we're going to take some time to really focus on building community at our church. Um, of course, for those who are not part of our church, we really still would value questions. I think, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we have not received any questions about the sermon, and so we've been talking about some of the practical application. But um, starting June 8th, we're going to start meeting on Wednesday nights at our church. We'll talk through a recap of the sermon, and then groups will break out to discuss how do we practically apply this. And we're bound to come across a couple things here and there that are either valuable or even difficult for our groups to be able to uh, really uh, dialogue about and really ask further, you know, in light of that sermon, how do we practically apply these things? Or how do we understand even, uh, you know, the moral law of God, for example, in practically applying the and, exposition?
0: And, hopefully a great focus, how do these get lived out primarily within the context of the local church here? Our yeah. family, our our brothers and sisters, Absolutely. Right?
1: So that goal is on those Wednesday nights for me to take, a, a you know, at least— three to five questions from the multiple facilitators. And then the next day when we record, be able to interact with those uh, for yeah. the edification of our local church at Redeemer. So that's kind of the, the the main focus and kind of where we're going is why we've shifted on Fridays, which also gets us thinking of where we've come from and where we're going into the next week uh, in the following exposition. Absolutely. So that's the overview as this Sunday uh, we begin to look at verse 7 through 10 in first John 3.
0: There we go. love it. Well, whether you are a member of Redeemer or you're listening from abroad, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. You can follow us on the uh, all the sociables, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at PracticaPod and submit questions there. Uh, if you have any questions about any of the passages uh, that we are, have either covered or will cover, uh, any of the eps that we have talked about, if you have dad jokes you want to submit, we'll take those there too. <laughs> nice. That's right. Absolutely. And uh, got a website too: www.practicapod.com. Got it that time. Look at that. Nice. Professional. I'm getting better. <laughs> <laughs> you can teach an old dog new tricks. Look at that. We thank you all for listening. Uh, We appreciate your guys' interaction. We'll catch you on the next episode of the Practica Podcast. Have a good week.